Life Audio. The How to Study the Bible podcast is brought to you by BibleStudyTools.com and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith affirming podcasts, visit LifeAudio.com. Every single day you face temptation, and every single day is a day where you're going to be able to have tools to remember who you really are to remember who you belong to, because you, my friend, are a son or daughter of God. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I am your host, Nicole Eunice, and I'm so glad to be back. Although I very much enjoyed learning from Drew in the past couple of weeks, it's my just honor and delight to wrap up this series with you. It's been rich, hasn't it? It's been good. Um... There's just something, I think, in our culture, in our world that tempts us to believe that it's like quantity over quality. Like if I'm if I'm really going to be a, a student of the word, if I'm going to be serious about my relationship with Christ, there, I've got to be putting a lot in. And we really took a different approach these last six weeks. We took a very, very minimal approach to really taking one line from this amazing prayer each week and really thinking through and praying through and meditating with the Lord on what it means that Jesus taught us how to pray, not what to pray. This isn't like an incantation that we can recite to make our life go great. You know, this isn't a superstitious type thing. This is actually Jesus giving us a framework for what it looks like to relate to God and what it looks like really to ask for what we need on a daily basis. So we are going to wrap that up. Um, But if you've enjoyed this series, um, if you would do us a huge favor, it would be amazing if you could leave a review of the podcast or um, just share it with your with your friends on socials or whatever. We're so excited to keep building our community. And it truly does help people, other people find the podcast. So um, I'm super grateful for that. And honestly, it helps me stay on track. Because when I see your reviews and kind of what you're getting out of this, it really shapes the content to come. So thank you, guys. Hey, guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. 
Let's get into our content for today. We are in Matthew chapter 6. I want to read the whole prayer because context is so important. You know, we're going to look at just the last line, but let's review where we've been if you would join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I always, you know, in my way of learning the prayer and in another place in the Gospels, it says, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Amen. And I love that. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Beautiful ending to this powerful prayer. So we're going to be looking at verse 13, just verse 13 today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. That was the phrase, the little couplet that said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this is one where our theology, our study is actually very important because there's a lot of different stories out there, right? About temptation, about the evil one, about um, the enemy. And this gives us an opportunity to go straight to the source, to go to Jesus Christ himself, who, who encourages us to pray this way. So let's go through our method and ask the questions that we ask every week. So the first question is, what does it say? And I'm, I'm hopeful that if you're asking the question, what does it say? You want to slow down and ask some questions of this phrase, right? Like ask some questions of the text. The first question that comes to mind for me right away is, does God lead us to temp- to temptation? Does God lead us to sin? Because it kind of sounds like that, right? So I'm writing that question down. And then the next question I have is, how does God deliver us? What does that look like? Who's the evil one? You know, these are the questions that we want to be asking when we're talking about a phrase like this. Now, many of you might have quick answers like that. Most likely, those are answers that you... Um, have from your childhood, from the denomination that you were raised in. There's a wide variety of ways that people engage with the, uh, the concept of spiritual warfare, of who an evil one is. That ranges from many of us who live practically like there is no such thing as an enemy, and there is no such thing as a spiritual realm at all, and that Jesus is really more about like life lessons that we can apply here. There's That's one side of the spectrum. Into the other side of the spectrum, which has a very strong emphasis on spiritual life. In fact, spiritual life is more important than physical life, and that there are many, many things that you must understand and do in order to avoid the evil one, uh, including such things as not speaking things out into existence because the evil one can find them and take them, or the idea that the evil one can be inside of you. And that's a very wide spectrum of experiences that we can have coming to the text. But our job here is to examine what the Bible actually says. And so if you have quick answers here, I would encourage you to put those answers aside and come with us on a journey, just a very brief journey. This could be a very long conversation, but a brief journey to really ask the question, well, what does the Bible say? Um, I maybe have learned these things, or maybe I'm, I'm living in this lived experience where I'm like, well, I've never seen anything demonic. I don't believe in that, you know, or to the other side, which is I've been slain in the spirit and I've seen healings and I know the spirits, you know, 
we have lots of experiences, right? So instead of going from our experience first, I want to encourage us to go from the Word of God first, um, because the Word of God is alive and active and dynamic, and it's a foundation that is a sure foundation for all of us, whereas our experiences can sometimes be fleeting. They can sometimes be different. Um, God's Word is not different. God's Word never fails. So let's start there when we ask these questions, okay? So the first question that I just posed for us um, as we get into what's the backstory is let's do a little research into this idea of does God cause us to sin? Does God bring us to places where we would sin? Um, And this is, I can just give you a very strong and categorical no. (laughs) And here's how. James chapter one. So one of the things that we do as theologians is we examine what other things in scripture say, right? And we, we let the clear parts of scripture help us understand the unclear parts of scripture. So this piece is a little unclear because we're like, who, when we're talking about leading, who's the subject? Does it mean like just in our life, let us not go towards temptation? Or does it mean that someone's leading us there, etc.? But in James chapter one, it's very clear. And this is what it says in verse 13 and 14. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But every person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Okay, so in this little passage in James, we understand it's very clear that God does not tempt anyone. And what the author of James says is that the reason that we're tempted is by our own evil desires, that the flesh in us, the part of us that is sinful, is going to be tempted by our evil desires. We're going to be dragged away by that our own evil desires that are warring within us to, to drag us towards sin. Okay, so we first we want to know that. We're like, okay, that's clear. So when it says, lead us not into temptation, this is the idea of help us not go places where our evil desire is tempted, where our sinful nature is tempted. And temptation is a funny word, right? The way we use it in culture. The first thing that comes to mind is like dove chocolates, you know, like it's got this very sort of lustful, sensual kind of concept. But temptation comes in many forms. Many of us are tempted to anxiety. Many of us are tempted to comparison. Many of us are tempted to insecurity. Many of us are tempted to find our worth in our success or our appearance or um, the things that we have. That's temptation too. Temptation for you might look like the accessories aisle at Target. Temptation for you might be thinking and looking at ESPN sports ranks and getting yourself lost in that as a way to make yourself feel better about your life. Like those are temptations as well. So we want to make sure we're getting a holistic version of temptation that our evil desire, our sinful nature leads us that way, right? And then the scripture goes on in Matthew chapter six and says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So let's just do a quick, like, evil, evil 101, just very, very basic. Again, not based in tradition, but based in scripture. I want to just talk about how does the enemy work? And what's amazing here is, again, context is everything. So we're reading Matthew chapter 6. And if you go back just two pages in your Bible to Matthew chapter 4, you're going to be able to ask the question, well, what does Jesus do when he's tempted? Because Matthew Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, is about Jesus's temptation. So when Jesus is now delivering this message to the crowds, and he's talking to them about what it looks like to pray, he's speaking from his own experience. This is Jesus's lived experience of being tempted. And he's saying, hey, when you are tempted, God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus himself has experienced this just 
a couple pages before, right, in, in Matthew. So if you go and read Matthew 4, 1 through 11, and this would be a whole different series, but we can look at how Jesus was tempted by the evil one if we want a case study in understanding how the evil one works. And what you're going to see in Matthew 4 and in other places in scripture is that the way that the evil one works is with these subtle, powerful lies. John chapter 8, verse 44 said, when, when he lies, meaning the evil one, when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Everything he speaks is a lie, but it's often subtle but powerful. And what we see in Matthew chapter 4 is that the evil one likes to ask a question. Did God really say? Or if God is who he says he is, shouldn't you like throw yourself off of this cliff? If God is who he says he is, turn these stones into bread. So there's this temptation, this enticement, this question that actually is a subtle but powerful challenge that is about the trustworthiness of God. What the enemy wants to do is get us to believe that God is not trustworthy and tempt us to act independently of God. If God is not going to meet my needs, if God is not going to offer me love and acceptance, if God is not my provider, if God is not sovereign, well then, I'm going to have these other things that help me meet my needs, right? And that can look like every form of sin that we just talked about. I might meet my needs through desires of the flesh. I might meet my needs through um, escaping and numbing myself. I might meet my needs through finding satisfaction in my job or relationship status or my children or my security or politics or whatever. So what we see here is this idea that, that the enemy's way of tempting is to call into question the character of God in some form or another with us. The second thing we need to know is that the enemy always masquerades as light. So he doesn't come with two, you know, a tail and two horns. He doesn't come um, in a way that would make us say, oh, the enemy is real. Like, look, the devil's real. I'm terrified. What the enemy does is he masquerades as light. So he will tempt us with good things. But when good things become ultimate things, like Tim Keller says, his definition of an idol is when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing. When an ultimate thing takes over, it becomes the thing that is on the throne of our heart. It's the thing that we live for. And the enemy wants to tempt us toward those good things where we're like, oh, no, I'm working on to the Lord. And I'm I'm saying these things on social media because I believe in justice or I'm saying, you know, we, we start to do, we're enticed to evil, we're enticed away from the nature of God buy things that we think are good, because that's the way the enemy works. So he masquerades as light. He uses these questions. He works with subtle, powerful lies. And if Jesus was tempted, we must understand, number one, that the enemy is real. Number two, that we will face temptation, that we will face spiritual battles, because if our Lord and Savior faced them on his time on earth, surely we also will face them. So we have a lot to learn by watching how Jesus engages with the enemy when it comes to these temptations. And the way that Jesus engages, what does he do every time in Matthew chapter four? He answers with the word of God. He uses scripture as his way of getting delivered from that evil. He uses scripture to return to that foundation. He does not use his lived experience. He doesn't say, well, enemy, I was in heaven with God. I know who he is. He he uses the faithful, true, timeless, never changing word of God as his way of defending himself, delivering himself from evil. And then what happens that we see in scripture multiple times is it says in scripture, like resist the enemy and he will flee from you. So there's this resistance. Like if you can just stand firm, if you can just hold 
hold your course, if you can just dig in and quote scripture, then the enemy, that attack will leave you, that we are never led into temptation that there is not a way out of. It says that in scripture as well. We're never going to be led in to something where there is not a way out. So God is working in these temptations. And I think it's very important when we ask, what does it mean? I mean, one of the, I mean, there's a lot of principles, right, at play here. But for me, one of the main things that this really means is, first of all, we should expect this to be a part of our earthly life. Second of all, if Jesus is giving us a prayer to pray daily, give us this day our daily bread, this is an intentional like practice, we're going to need to have a perspective to believe, oh, like temptation is a part of life. This idea that I'm going to be subtly led away from dependence on God toward independence, from believing that God's providing for me and trusting him every day to somehow believing that God is not providing for me and I need to get mine. I need to do it myself. I've got to figure it out. That whole uh, mindset is a temptation mindset. The enemy's already at work in that mindset. As soon as we're led away from believing that we can trust God, that he's our provider, that he is good, that we are loved, like as soon as we leave that, that's the enemy at work with these subtle, powerful lies bringing into question our identity, um, our nature as co-heirs with Christ, the fact that our soul is already secure in heaven, that we are already living in eternity. The enemy knows he can't get our soul. So what can he do? He can get us distracted. He can get us discouraged. Um, he He can sort of plant these lies that none of this is true. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. Com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What I take away from this, the fact that this line is in here, right? Like this is a short prayer. And if we think about the idea that Jesus is calling us on how to pray, this concept that we are going to face battles on this in this world and that temptation is ever present in our life and in your temptation might, like I said, your temptation again might not look like a bar of chocolate or sort of all the other things we might think of when we hear the word temptation. Your temptation might be any subtle mindset 
that leads you away from trusting in the nature of God. This is why I'm so passionate about the way we spend time in the Word of God every single day. Because every single day you face temptation, and every single day is a day where you're going to be able to have tools to remember who you really are, to remember who you belong to, because you, my friend, are a son or daughter of God. You, my friend, have been called worthy. You are a co-heir with Christ. You are already sons and daughters of glory. So the enemy wants to work against that narrative and anything that he can do masquerading as light to distract us or lead us away from that narrative he's going to do. And that's on the daily. So as we pray this prayer and as we wrap up this series, I think this is a beautiful way to remember, you know, when we pray for yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory, we're reminded once again that we have a father, our father, right? We are in community. We have a communal identity as children of God and that we have a father in heaven. We don't have a boss in heaven. We don't have a manager in heaven. We don't have a genie in heaven. We don't have a distant, um, disinterested God in heaven. We have a father, like the closest familial relationship is the term that God wants us to use with him. And that's who we are. And that's who we belong to. And all through life, we're going to face these trials and temptations that are a part of the shaping of who we're becoming. But we don't do it alone. We do it with um, Christ by our side. We do it with the Spirit of God giving us and strengthening us. And we do it with the Word of God that actually will um, sustain us and allow us to be delivered from evil. Friends, this has been a delightful journey with you. I'm so grateful that we've been on it, and I can't wait to be back together next week as we are going to dive into some parables in a series called Stories Jesus Told. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word, one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search Your Daily Bible Verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.